When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Seven Lamb Productions presents Atlas Avenue Beat. Case One The Silver Casket. Part Ten The Nice Bad Guy. I arrived at the hospital a little after four. I couldn't believe it. Paul had gotten hurt on his stakeout. I hope he's all right. I walked up to the front desk. Paul Went? Oh my god! Paul Went where? What? No, Went is his last name. I don't understand. Where is the last name? What? Paul Went to is the last name. No, Paul Went. Uh huh. That's the name. I'm not sure if I follow. If you let me know where he went. No, listen carefully. Okay. I'm looking for a person. Mm-hmm. His first name... Yeah? ...is Paul. Okay. His last name... Uh-huh. ...is Wind. Nope. You lost me. <sighs> is there someone else I can talk to? A nurse came over and I asked her where Paul Wind was. She wasn't dumb, so she told me room 246. I rushed down the hallway. The numbers on the doors continued to decline until I reached Paul's room. I reached for the handle when the doctor came out. We nearly collided. Whoa, where's the fire? Sorry, I'm, I'm here to check on my friend Paul Went. Okay, so there's no fire? No. Good. I almost dropped everything and screamed and ran away. Is Paul Went inside? Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Paul Went is dead. What? Yeah, he died. I mean, like, just now. How, how did this happen? Well, that sailfish just flew right through his body, like, made a huge hole in his body, so... There was really no way to survive. What sailfish? The sailfish that killed Paul Kent when he was fishing. No, not Paul Kent, you idiot. Paul Went. Oh. Jesus Christ, it's not a hard name. Why does this hospital have such a hard time with it? Oh, shoot, that's not good. I think I just told Paul Kent's girlfriend he was okay. Little screw-up. I was wondering why she was so worried about him. I mean, all he did was trip over a root. Who, Paul Went? Yeah, the guy you're here to see. Here, he's in this room. That's why you were rushing in here, right? To see Paul Went? Yes. Come on in. I entered the white sterile room to find Lorraine pacing back and forth and Paul lying on a gurney strapped to an IV. Locke, what, what's, it, what's it going, man? You did say he just tripped over a root, right? Why is he hooked up to an IV? Well, the thing is, like, he's annoying. Really annoying. 
So I decided to give him some tranquilizer, mixed it into the regular fluid so he'd stop talking. He kept hitting on one of the nurses, said some inappropriate things. We had to bring in a male nurse so he'd stop. Oh, Jim, it's horrible. Lorraine ran up to me and threw her arms around my neck. She started to sob into my shoulder. Hey, get, get away from my wife. I knew, I knew you were sleeping with it, with her. I knew it. I was so worried. There, there. I think he's going to be okay. Isn't that right, Doc? Of course. The guy just tripped over a root. He twisted his ankle. He can't die from that. See, Lorraine, Paul's going to be fine. Yep. I gotta get some papers for you to fill out. I'll be back. Terminator! Terminator! The doctor left and I led Lorraine over to a chair. She took a seat and started to calm down. How you doing, Paul? I'm alright, Jimmy Joan. How'd you trip over a root? With my foot. Right, right. How is he? I turned around to see Arthur. His hair was disheveled and his shirt was untucked. For some reason, he was wearing camo pants and a square necklace, and then I realized Paul had told him what to wear on the stakeout. You know, you don't actually have to wear camo on a stakeout. Oh, okay. So we'll just let people see us? You're supposed to blend in with your surroundings. Are there a lot of other people walking around in camo pants? We blend in with the bushes. In a car? Anywhere. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You don't get it. No, you don't get it. Oh, I get it. Guys, please, you're upsetting Paul. He's sleeping. Okay, so everything seems to be in order. But we would like to keep him overnight. You said it was a sprained ankle. Yes, but that tranquilizer we gave him has some really serious side effects. Like he could be in some serious trouble. Oh, my God. What kind of doctor are you? This is ridiculous. Whoa, people, relax. Relax? You injected him with something that has serious side effects. Yeah, but he was being really annoying. He just wouldn't shut up. Like, fucking A. I mean, you guys should know how he is. He can be a bit of a handful. And he is annoying. Could I actually get some of that tranquilizer to go? Now, don't you guys worry. It looks like he's fast asleep. I'll have the nurse check up on him regularly. And you can pick him up tomorrow morning at 8. Okay. And if we don't have him ready by 8 tomorrow, then your next doctor's visit is free of charge. Ooh, discounts. The weird doctor left and Lorraine went back to Paul's bedside. She sat on the edge of the gurney and stroked Paul's hair, or what was left of it. Well, I guess that means it's time. Time for what? Time to finish the stakeout. You're still going out? Yeah, and so are you. I'm not going on any stakeout, I'm going home. The whole time we were riding around in that ambulance, it was Paul's dying wish that you and I finish the stakeout and become friends. He's not dying. Still, weren't you the one who told Paul that this thing needed to be solved by Saturday? If it can be solved, it's out of my hands now and in the hands of the KHPD. That's why I'll be there. We'll get someone else to accompany you. Everyone else is on assignment, even the captain. I can't do this thing alone. You can't spy on someone by yourself? Hey, I don't want you there, but Paul says you're good. Are you in or out? I'm out. No, seriously. Seriously, I'm out. The case is reopened, right? What if the captain knew I was tagging along with you? The captain's on assignment, so you in? No, I'm not. I'm not going to ask again. Good, 
I don't want you to. Damn it, Jimbo. Paul is dying. He sprained his ankle. So, does that mean you're in? Why would that mean that I'm in? Are you in or out? Jesus Christ, fine. But you follow my lead. I don't think so, Jimbo. I'm wearing the camo pants here. At that moment, the door opened and the nurse came in. The nurse looked familiar. He walked up to Paul's bed and then that's when I recognized him. Barry? You're not a nurse. You're a translator. Actually, I'm both. You're a translator and a nurse? You're fucking stupid. Oh, I can't have two jobs. You don't like Barry? The captain loves him. That's why he brought him in as translator. He also helped remove the captain's appendix. Where? At the precinct? No, here. That's where the captain met him. All right. Let's just move you onto your side. Why are you moving Paul? It's better if he sleeps on his side. It helps the tranquilizers leave his system. How? Can you just let me do my job, buddy? What's he doing now? What are you doing, Barry? I'm lifting the patient's leg so I can get this needle in. More tranquilizer? No. I don't think he needs to be stuck with any more needles. Ah, doctor's orders. I agree with Locke. I think Paul's had enough. Yeah, Barry, why don't you just go? You know what? You always do this shit. Always? Try once. And just get out of here, Barry. Yeah, Barry, get out of here. Really? Fuck off, Barry. Get the fuck out of here, Barry. Yeah, Barry, fuck off. We kept shouting as Barry set down the needle and started to retreat for the door. Paul even ended up waking up to shout some insults at him. Barry, I hate you as a nurse, you piece of shit. Yeah, Barry, you suck. Shut up, Lorraine. But I was insulting Barry. Oh, okay. Go ahead, then. Fuck you, Barry. Nice one. Barry walked out of the room just as the doctor came back. The doctor didn't even ask us why we were doing it. He just decided to continue berating Barry with us. Barry, you're a fucking idiot. Stupid Barry, don't come back. After Barry left, we all laughed heartily. We really nailed that guy. I don't hate many people, but Barry just rubs me the wrong way. Although I didn't want to spend any time with Arthur, I figured I'd accompany him on the stakeout. The merger was going through in four days, and Desmond Grant was still behind bars. Who knows if we'd find anything. Plus, I didn't really have anything better to do tonight. I followed Arthur outside of the hospital, and he gave me a ride back to my place. I grabbed a pair of binoculars and got changed into a new suit. Not camo pants. We headed to this Evan Green bombs and arrived just after 7 o'clock. Arthur parked across the street from the O'Reilly Mansion, which gave us a great view of the Green Bomb's house that sat behind a long row of hedges. It looked like Evan Greenbaum was doing some yard work, and Charlotte, I believe her name was, was playing with her daughter in a small plastic castle. Nothing out of the ordinary yet. Maybe we should move up. No, no. They may see us. Are you sure? You have your camo pants on? Was that a joke? I was being sarcastic, yes. Why? Because you look like an idiot. Well, let's just see how you look 
with a bullet in your chest while I'm just a lowly little bush. In a car with binoculars. Stop being sarcastic. Let's just wait till they head inside. Then what? We'll go around back. Just follow me. But you better watch your step. Are you threatening me? No, I'm generally concerned. Paul tripped over a root by that hedge right there. Oh. You know, Paul really wants us to be friends. He keeps talking about how we could be the three Padres. I think you mean the three amigos, unless you and I become fathers. I'm not into that gay shit. I didn't mean together. I tried to talk him out of it, but like I said, he really wanted you here. I guess it works out, though. The precinct has been losing people left and right. What do you mean? Paul's not the only detective in the hospital right now. We've had a slew of people wind up there. Two guys working on the Cracker Jack murder case ended up there two days ago, wound up in a gunfight. Then there was that Andrew Fedora, the guy your friend Carter knocked cold to escape. Oh, and the captain, but that was to have his appendix removed. Plus, Paul can't stop talking about how great of an investigator you are. I don't see it, but if you're better now than when you were in the KHPD... What's that supposed to mean? How do you live with yourself? You trying to start something? No, I'm generally interested. Do you live alone? Apartment or house? How much do you pay in taxes each year? I don't believe you just happen to be wording everything this way. What's your problem? You want to know my problem? That's why I asked. My problem is that Paul looks up to you. He thinks you were such a great detective, a great PI, and just an overall great guy. But I see through it all, just like the captain. Really? Yeah. If you were such a good detective, you'd still be part of the KHPD. But no, you had to go and shoot. Don't. Don't say another word. Fam Buggle. What? Don't tell me what to do. But she didn't say another word. Scared, huh? No, Fam Buggle's not a word. Paul may want us to become the three San Diego Padres. He doesn't. But I don't see it happening. Don't worry, I'll remain professional and I'll complete Paul's dying wish. After that, I am done with you. Whatever helps you sleep at night. CPAP mask. What? They went inside, let's go. Follow me. I didn't feel like putting up much of a fight. After this, I wouldn't have to deal with Arthur anymore. I decided to let him lead the way. His square necklace jangled as we ran up to the tall hedge line. We then snuck around the side of the large house. I carried my binoculars and tried to get a good look inside. I don't see anything. Not that I thought I would. You think they're just going to prance around with the vase? I think we should go talk to him. Wait, look. The back window's open. Arthur cupped his hands around his eyes. Did you leave your binoculars in the car? On purpose. Just use mine. I don't need them. We waited a few minutes as Arthur scanned the backyard. This is dumb. Let's just question the guy and his wife. I know they have it. How? Paul said he saw a vase last time we were here, right before he fell. It was in the side window, but since the shades were up, he had to go to the back. And there it is. Boom. One vase sitting on a pedestal right there by the couch. Why would they put it right near two windows? Now we could go question him, Big Jimbo. Why did you even need me for this? We walked back around to the front of the house, walked up some stone steps to the front door. Evan Greenbaum entered the door and looked at us with sad eyes. Hello there. May I help you? Arthur flashed his badge and Evan greeted us warmly and led us inside. Cut the crap. We know it's here. We stood by the front door as Evan's wife and child walked up. I'm sorry. I'm not sure I know what you're speaking of. 
Why don't we have a sit-down and talk this thing over? I'd love to help the authorities any way I can. Yeah, I'm sure you would. What are you doing? Good cop, bad cop? Actually, I'm doing handsome, smart cop, and shitty, 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 very shitty, ugly cop. That's you. Oh, I figured. Very mature. Suck it. Now, Mr. Greenbaum, you're under arrest for the theft of a rare vase owned by Mr. Terrence O'Reilly. Oh, the O'Reillys. How are they? And suspected of the murder of Mr. Jeffrey O'Reilly. Oh, no. I killed Jeffrey? I don't recall that. Honey, don't argue with the police. No, no, of course not. They must have some substantial evidence if they believe I'm the culprit. We do. Now let's go downtown. Ooh, w- would you mind if I sing a bit of the Petula Clark song on the way? Downtown. Yes, now shut up. Sorry, sir. Goodbye, dear Charlotte and child Polly. Hopefully we resolve this issue before late night tea. Okay, be safe, honey bun. Something wasn't right. This guy was too nice to be a bad guy. I could see him buying someone a vase, not stealing it. And I've seen my fair share of people who put on a clever ruse. This guy seemed genuine. There's no point in bringing it up to Arthur, though. He was in the zone. Arthur confiscated the vase and walked back to the car. Evan waved bye to his wife and child as best he could with handcuffs on. Arthur pulled out his cell phone and made a quick call to the precinct. Boy, I would have never pegged me as the killer. It's always the last guy you suspect. <laughs> That's the truth. Arthur shoved him into the car and ordered me in. I took a moment to look back at the house. The guy was wealthy. Maybe not as wealthy as the O'Reilly's, but what did he need with a vase? And why would he set it right by a window for the whole world to see? Are you coming or what? No, you go ahead. What? I'm going to walk home. Suit yourself. Arthur sped out down the road, leaving me on the street corner looking at the Greenbaum household. Charlotte had already head back inside. The sun was going down quicker than a prostitute on a congressman. I wanted to investigate further. I slipped a cigarette between my lips and pulled out my lighter gun. Angela's gift. I pulled the trigger. The tiny orange flame flickered at the end of the cigarette. This was a good lighter. Sturdy. It felt like a real gun, although slightly smaller. My finger barely able to fit inside the trigger guard. I took a puff and let the smoke seep out the corners of my mouth. I headed toward the house. Maybe Charlotte could provide some insight into what was going on here. Because if there was one thing I was sure of, it was that something was amiss. Atlas Avenue Beat. Written and edited by Robert M. Lamb. Starring Jack Austin as Locke, Amy LeRae as Edith, Jose Caraballo as Paul, Brian Messick as Arthur, Shannon McCarthy as Lorraine, Megan Austin as Angela. Co-starring Hope Ennis, Amber Simpson, Shannon Lee, Mike Butler, Ashley Wilkins, John Lassaveth, Jean Lamb, Mike Lenhart, Matthew Manning, and Robert M. Lamb. Music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes.
This has been a Seven Lamb production.